Hello and welcome to Grade 7's Talk to Expert, a podcast where Grade 7 students talk to experts and find more about about their specialty. I'm your host for this episode, Danae, and I'm a student at College Park School in Lloydminster, Alberta. Before we get to our expert for this episode, I want to share about a little bit about who we are and what we'll be doing in our podcast. We are a class of Grade 5, Grade We are a class of 25 grade 7 students in a non-traditional classroom setting where we are focusing on experience-based learning using the STEAM approach. That's STEAM, which stands for science, technology, engineering, art and math. We want to we want to answer that age-old question of why we want to learn this by directly connecting what we study inside the classroom with the world outside the school. For our podcast, students will be contact contacting an expert that they know in their lives. This person could be an expert in their profession, profession or job, or what could be con- what could traditionally be considered a hobby or an interest. Without further further delay, I'm pleased to introduce our podcast our expert for this episode, who is an expert in physiotherapy, Larisha. Hello and welcome. Hi there. Um, let's. Start by getting to know you. Please tell us about yourself. Okay, so I am a South African-born and trained physical therapist. I am of East Indian descent, and I moved to Canada in 2017. And I'm currently practicing as a physical therapist here in Canada. I have a ten-month-old son and a little fur baby, and my husband here at home. What is a typical day like for you? Right now, I am currently on maternity leave, so my day is filled with taking care of a ten-month-old, including diaper changes and feedings. But usually, when I'm at work, my typical day starts at eight a.m. in the morning, and I usually start at the Lloydminster Hospital where I work. And we start、um, by just meeting up with the rest of the Physiotherapy team, which consists of therapy assistants and maybe another therapist, and we start off looking at what our day was is going to be looking like,、um, how many new patients we have, and what's on our caseload, and start distributing the workload to each person.、Um, and then basically, I would look at the new assessments and see who I I would need to reassess or.、Um, To assess further on the day, and with new assessments, I'd normally start off、uh, at the hospital in the medical ward or the surgery ward, looking at their medical records to see what the client came in with, what condition, and、uh, what background information I could gather from their charts. I'd speak to the nurse and the doctor and any other professionals that are dealing with. The patient to get a background history, and then I would go in and speak to the client or the patient themselves to get a history of what's going on and what their prior level of function was before coming into the hospital.、Um, before starting doing a physical assessment, where I look at how they're moving and what issues they're having. In terms of function and movement, which is what a physical therapist basically does with a patient. Yep. 
Sorry, we're having some mouse problems there. We're good to go now. <laughs> sure. Um, what do you do for fun? Uh, right now with COVID, it's a little bit different from what I would typically do, but I normally like to take my fur baby, uh, my dog for a walk, spend some time outdoors with my son and my dog playing around. Uh, the weather's getting a bit warmer these days, so it's a lot better getting outside. I also love cooking and baking and, um, I especially also like to have some alone time. So just cuddle up with a nice, good book and some chocolate. I'm gonna have Elizabeth up here to ask you a question. Hi, my question is, what is the difference between a massage and physical therapy? Okay, that's a very interesting question because sometimes, uh, well, a lot of times we get confused between the two and a lot of people think that physiotherapist is a massage therapist and vice versa. Um, the difference uh, in terms of education is uh, that here in Canada, you have to do a four-year bachelor's degree, like a degree in kinesiology, and then do a, two, a further two years uh, uh, which is a master's of phys physical therapy in order to practice as a physical therapist. And then you have to also undergo an examination in order to get your practicing license. In terms of a massage therapist, they do a, a two-year diploma or a certificate in massage therapy. And they basically work with muscles and um involve relaxation of muscles and in terms of helping patients with pain or muscle like re the relief of pain whereas uh, with physical therapy we our scope is much wider we not only um, can massage a patient based on what condition they um, come in with but we do a full assessment and a holistic treatment looking at their physical level of functioning and how to improve that function. And so sometimes it might consist of helping them with immediate pain relief, which could be in the form of massage, but there's a whole list and there's a whole lot in our toolbox where we can help them to prevent further injury and to um, come back from whatever condition they have in terms of rehabilitation, exercise, uh, health promotion, so we help to restore their health to the prior level before their injury or their illness. And where do you work? I currently am on maternity leave, but I usually work at the Lloyd Minster Hospital as well as service the surrounding community. Okay, thank you. Did you live in Lloydminster as a kid? If not, where did you live and what was it like? There? Yes, as I said earlier, uh, my husband and I moved to Canada in 2017. So I grew up in a city called Durban in South Africa. And so that's where I spent my childhood. And um, I only came here to Canada as an adult. Um, 
I would say the first thing that I can say with the difference between South Africa and Canada is the weather. The climate is very uh, much milder in South Africa. You have very warm weather throughout the year and our winters are very mild. We don't experience any snow. So I grew up uh, being outdoors most of the time, spending time at the beach and not having to layer up uh, as I have to here in winter. Uh, what is what was school like for you when you were younger? Well, when you talk about school, um, I just want to just compare it to the Canadian schooling system that I currently uh, know a little bit about. So first of all, a difference, uh, a big difference is the uniforms. We had to wear uniforms at school. So all the children basically were dressed the same, whereas here in Canada, everybody dresses the way they want to. So they were very strict with uniforms. Um, and um, I guess it's basically the same schools, the same uh, all around the world. You have to get into class and you have teachers that you have to respect and you, um, current, you actually wait for that time when you can have recess and spend some time with friends outdoors. And that's the part that I love the most about school, spending time with friends and having fun. Um, what do you, what specifically do you remember about grade seven? Okay, so when I think about grade seven, it was a transition into high school. So back home in South Africa, we uh, got to high school in grade seven. So it was a very anxious period or anxious time in my life because I got from being the, young, the oldest in the school in grade six to being now the youngest in high school as grade sevens coming into this big school. Um, I was nervous about making friends and how I would get along with everybody else. And um, I was just entering my teenage years, so I was a bit um, anxious about a lot of different things in school but after a few months i settled in quite well and realized that everybody else also had the same fears and um i got in and i actually had lots of fun in my grade seven year if someone were to write a book about you what would it be what good what would be a good title for it? So in terms of a title for a book, I would say something to do about uh, with a journey across two continents, maybe, seeing that I was born in Africa and spent most of my childhood and youth growing up in Africa. And then now I moved over to Canada. And so now living in North America, the different, uh, the different uh, in my lifestyle here and having a family here versus back home in Africa. Can you tell us, <laughs> can you tell us um, about an experience where you were nervous or uh, apprehensive, but chose to participate in any ways and gave your best effort? Okay, growing up, I got nervous all the time. I was very anxious with any new environment and new situation, but I always pushed myself to go out there and do my best. 
one of the memorable moments I can actually speak about is doing my practical exam here in Canada to get my physical therapy license. So I was very anxious and nervous about it. I had to be examined by, um, I think it was about 16 different examiners in each station. And so I was very anxious about the whole process. But I knew that I wanted to still continue to be a physical therapist here in Canada. And so I had to go through it to get my license. And so I pushed myself to do the best that I could in the situation and ended up passing and was so excited that I could actually now practice as a physical therapist here in Canada. In your opinion, what makes someone an expert? Um, in my opinion, an expert is somebody that has vast knowledge in their field, as well as hands-on or clinical experience. And it's somebody that's well looked up to uh, with regards to their peers and other people in their profession. And I think, yes, what makes you an expert is how other people perceive you to be based on your knowledge and your experience and your confidence in um, approaching or speaking about a certain topic. Do you consider yourself an expert? Um, Based on based on what I said, I think that an expert is somebody that somebody else considers an expert. I don't think you can actually regard yourself as an expert. I think the public and your peers and other professionals can call you an expert. And that would be based on your experience and your knowledge on the field. I feel that I am a professional in the field of physical therapy, and I have vast knowledge and experience in my field, but I'm not sure that I would use uh, the term expert to refer to myself. Have, have there been times that you felt discouraged as a physiotherapist? Yes, sure. In any profession, I think you have times when you discourage. In the medical profession, especially when it comes to uh, patients that have a terminal illness or when you experience a loss of a patient that you've been working with and have developed a professional relationship with, it can be quite discouraging and it can um, you know, make you feel a little bit down because you were trying to help them and you weren't able to help them and you weren't successful uh, in helping them. And so it can be a bit of a discouragement. What made you want to keep going in your job? So there are those days when you have when you have a loss of a patient or a patient that now a condition has deter deteriorated because their uh, prognosis is quite poor and so you are discouraged. But that occurs in a small number of cases, and for the majority of cases you are able to help somebody achieve their goal and go back home and be able to perform uh, and function the way they 
were prior to being ill. And so that kind of gives you that motivation to carry on, knowing that this person now is able to do something that they were not able to do while they were admitted to hospital and has improved and um, are happy and are grateful, uh, gives you a lot of reward in this profession. Yeah. I'm going to have Ryan come up here to ask you a question. Hi, my name is Ryan and my question is, what was the most challenging class you had to take to become a physiotherapist? Um, I would say a pharm pharmacology module that I had to do in my second year of university. So um, I, I wasn't actually doing really well in the module and in between I kind of got lost and I didn't know what was happening. I had uh, written my first test and I failed that test. And uh, so then I had to actually go back and um, I had to ask friends for help and I had to get a tutor and I had to get uh, some help so that I could actually eventually pass that course. And so that was one of my challenging courses in university. My second question is, what was the most difficult case you've had to deal with yet? What was the most difficult case I had to? Yes. Deal with. Okay. So um, one of the most difficult cases, I would say, was uh, working in a hospital in South Africa where I had a patient who was a young boy, about 15 years of age, who had uh, been involved in a motor vehicle collision and then became paralyzed from waist down. And he was going through a lot of trauma at the time and, you know, uh, still still grappling with the new um, way in which he had to live and now be able to continue with life without having to be able to walk. And so it was quite challenging to try and motivate him to um, work with us in terms of rehabilitation because he was still going through the grief and the loss of what had happened. And we were trying to help him to get strengthened, to be able to now live uh, his life with the condition that he was now in. And so it became quite challenging trying to motivate him because he was still undergoing the emotional and the um, psychological trauma of what, had gone, what he had gone through. And so we had to work around that to try and get him motivated to uh, perform and uh, give his best in terms of his rehabilitation. Thank you. What do you think failure has to do with success? Also, when did you fail and how did it help you? I think uh, failure is um, a part of life and everybody has to go through some sort of failure in their life, be it academic failure or failures in other parts of their life. Um, in terms of what it has to do with success, I would say that 
Uh, it depends on what you do with that failure. If you use it as a motivation and a stepping so stone and you learn from that failure, uh, it's going to definitely help you to succeed. So if you do fail in something, I think you need to look at it, look at the reasons why you failed, and then try and uh, motivate yourself and get or uh, make use of tools that are going to help you to succeed in the future. Tell us about someone who you looked up to when you were younger. I would say the person that I looked up to when I was younger is my dad. Uh, my father was a teacher and so he um, motivated us to become uh, educated and to further our uh, education in terms of university um, education and getting a degree. He um, grew up in a, a large family of 10 siblings and so didn't have a lot in terms of material things but always uh, used education as a focus to try and be better and get further in his life. And he uh, always motivated us to do the same with our lives as well. At this time, I'm gonna open up the mic for any students to ask questions that they might have. Hi. How old were you when you had your first client? So I, in terms of a student, we, as physical therapy students, we work with clients. So I would say in second year of university was the first experience of having a client. And at that time, I must have been 20 years old. Okay. Thank you for answering my question. We sit a lot and are often using Chromebooks. Are there are there some things we should do to prevent injuries? So you said you sit a lot and also? And also use Chromebooks. Chromebooks, yes. So in terms of physical therapy, we actually also uh, are involved in a lot of health promotion as well as education. And so the first thing that I would like to tell you is look at your posture and make sure that you are sitting upright and you're not straining any of your neck muscles by poking your chin out to look at the screen. So you want to push your chin back and sit up with nice straight shoulders so that you prevent any of those muscles from getting tight, which causes pain and also uh, causes a lot of discomfort. You also wanna every 30 minutes maybe do some neck stretches where you turning your head over to the side and stretching some of the neck muscles on the opposite end, holding that for about 30 seconds and then stretching over to the other side and also standing and just moving around to get the blood circulating as well is quite good. So sitting at a desk the whole day is not advised. You need to get up every half an hour or so and walk around 
and just get some stretching done so that you don't have issues with uh, muscles getting stiff and tight. Thank you for answering my question. You're welcome. Hi, um, how long have you been a physiotherapist for? So I qualified in 2005, so I would say just over 15 years now. And is cracking knuckles bad for you? Um, I would say something that if you're doing it repetitively and quite a number of times in the day, I don't think it's a very good idea. But at the same time, basically, when you hear that knuckle crack, it's just the air that's being released between the joint. So it's not actually doing a lot of damage, but if you're doing it repetitively over a number of months and then years, you are basically um, overusing that joint and you can be wearing it down and it could probably lead to some kind of arthritis. But if you're doing it once in a while, it's not really going to have that much of a bad effect on you. Thank you for answering my question. You're welcome. Uh, hi, my name is Regan. And my question is, did you enjoy wearing a school uniform? And what are the benefits of wearing a school uniform? Oh, that's a very interesting question. At the time when I was a kid, it, it wasn't a very nice thing wearing a school uniform because we'd watch lots of movies and see kids dressed the way they want to be dressed. And so I actually love the idea of not having a school uniform. But when I look back at it now, some of the advantages were that you don't ever have to to look into your cupboard and think about what you're going to wear that morning. You always know what you're going to be wearing to school. And so that's kind of an advantage. It's also advantageous to the parents as well because then they don't have to be spending lots of money and getting their kids all the brand name and the, the stuff that's in style at that moment in time, especially with teenagers so you know exactly what they're going to be wearing. So I think that's one of the advantages. And then also uh, some kids might not be able to afford those expensive pair of jeans or, or brand name items as well. And so having a uniform put everybody in the same level and so you didn't have to feel bad that you were dressed uh, not as well as your fellow peers were. Also, I have another question. You said you enjoy reading books. What is your favorite book? Um, I wouldn't know exactly my favorite book, but I have a favorite author, which is Jodie Pickelt. And uh, I've read a number of her books. And one of them that would stick out would be uh, a book about an autistic child. I can't. The, I can't remember the the name of the off the top of my head right now, but uh, Jody Picoult is one of my favorite authors. Thanks for answering my question. You're welcome. No, you are welcome. Uh, hi, my name is Ricky, and my question for you is about a book that we're reading at school. In the book, the main character gets mauled by a bear, and then he breaks his pelvis and his arm, and then he has a bunch of scars across his abdomen. What are some things that a physiotherapist might make him do to get better? Okay, so you said he had fractured his pelvis as well as his arm. 
Uh, yep. And then he yes. had a bunch of scars across his abdomen. Okay. Yes. So we as physical therapists deal a lot with patients or clients that have fractures. And so uh, we actually I walk after their cast is removed most of the time to get their arm strengthened back to the, the prior level of function and getting their arm to move. A lot of times when you're in a cast or your arm is immobilized for a long time, your muscles become stiff and tight. And so your range of movement decreases. And so we help you to get that improved range of movement and get your hand functioning back to the way it was. If he was somebody that played a lot of sport and needed that arm as a throwing arm, for example, if he was playing softball, uh, then we would have to try and rehabilitate it to get him back to being able to play that sport again as well. In terms of his pelvis fracture there as well, it would impact his walking and moving around. And so we'd have to help him to get strengthened back up as well as start putting weight on that leg and being able to walk again, probably might need crutches for a little while. We'll teach him how to use crutches and then we'll also help him to wean off the crutches and be able to walk again without that support. In terms of having um, injuries to his abdomen and having scars, we would also help to kind of uh, stretch that scar out so you don't have a painful scar that's uh, that's thickened and be able to uh, be more flexible. So we do scar massage and various forms of therapy. We could even use some uh, electric electronic uh, modalities such as ultrasound to try and help to stretch that scar out so it's not painful. Thank you for answering my question. You're welcome. Hi, I'm Zoe, and I was just wondering, what is the process like to train in one country and then move and get certified in another country? Okay, that's a very good question. Uh, so basically in Canada, there is a what is known as the Canadian Alliance of Physiotherapy Regulators. So they have a number of members that decide whether your degree or qualification in another country is equivalent to the Canadian qualification. So firstly, they look at what you studied in your home country or the country that you qualified in, and they compare it to what uh, the physical therapist study here in Canada. And if it is similar, they allow you to write an exam here in Canada. So my uh, degree was similar to the qualification here in Canada. So I was accepted to write an exam. The exam consists of two parts, which is a written exam where you have a three hour written exam paper that you have to pass. Once you pass that, you do a practical exam. And the practical exam is also about a three hour exam where they uh, have a number of different stations and examiners that examine you on a clinical scenario. So like you would have to perform a physical therapy treatment or an assessment on a patient while an examiner watches you. So it is quite a lengthy process. But uh, at the same time, it helps to regulate the profession so that everybody that's practicing in Canada is has a certain standard 
of practice. And so you know that when you're seeing a physical therapist, they are licensed and they know what they are doing. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, um, what was your busiest year that you um, have ever done? So the busiest year would be my second year of university. And because they try to cram all the courses that they possibly can into one year. So basically we were doing anatomy and physiology and physical therapy modules and everything at the same time. So it was really crazy. Uh, but at the same time, it was quite enjoyable. And once I passed that year, I was quite relieved because then it became a little bit easier in terms of the academic uh, work that we had to do. Thank you for answering my question. You're welcome. Hi. Um, I have another question, and it is, what's the longest time you've had to work with a patient? Okay, so that is a very interesting uh, question because uh, I've worked in the Lloydminster Hospital as an inpatient therapist, so meaning that I've worked with patients that get admitted to hospital. I work in the long-term care facilities as well as in the community. So uh, I would say quite a number of years because uh, when I came and first started working in 2017, I actually had a patient that was admitted to a hospital where I saw them there. And then later on, when I started working at the long-term care, that patient got transferred over there and then was one of my clients that I had to treat as well. So depending on the condition, you could be treating somebody for a number of years, but uh, for different conditions as well and maybe just as a continuation in the long-term care just to see how they're doing. So not everybody would need years of treatment. So it just depends on what their condition is and whether they need follow-up. Okay, thank you for answering my question. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. Larisha, I hope you have an awesome rest of your day and we learned a lot about physiotherapy. Thank you for my classmates for, for the questions and thank you listeners. Have a great day and stay tuned for the next episode. We'd love to hear from you. Send your questions, show ideas, or any other feedback to talkingtoexperts at gmail.com.